Turn your Bibles this evening to the book of 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians, if you don't mind. Hope you have your Bibles with you this evening. Second Corinthians chapter number 1, we've been working our way and just started really working our way on Wednesday nights through the a study out of Second Corinthians. Last week we spent our time exploring the God of all comfort, the God of all comfort, who the Bible says here in verse number 4, who comforteth us in all of our tribulations, and praise the Lord for that. We have a God that cares, we have a God that comforts. And we have a God that meets us where we are in our needs. Tonight we'll continue a bit of that thought as Paul works his way through in teaching and teaching us on these particular matters. Tonight we've entitled our time together, Deliverance in the Time of Trouble. Deliverance in the Time of Trouble. We noted last week, well let me go back and just read the verses first. Verses 8 through 11. We worked our way through the others last week. So verses 8 to 11 of first, excuse me, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble, which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure, above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life. But we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves I hope you'll take your pen and mark that phrase, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God, which raiseth the dead, who delivered us from so great a death, and doth deliver, in whom we trust, that he will yet deliver us. He also helping together by prayer for us, that for the gift bestowed upon us by the means of many persons, thanked Thanks may be given by many on our behalf. We noted last week as we studied these passages and the things that Paul's dealing with here is that we all deal with this thing called troubles, trials, tribulations, sufferings. Much of the prayer requests tonight dealt with these very specifics. Troubles in life, cancers, illnesses. Uh, financial, just many things, spiritual, uh, just so many things. These things are common to man. These things are our way of life in the flesh. In this old world, we shall have tribulation, the Bible tells us, Jesus tells us. These things are common to man as long as we live in the flesh. Paul said in Romans 8, the creation has been made subject to, to vanity. When there was a fall back in the garden, all the way back in the very beginning, because of that fall, we suffer today. For as by one man sin entered the world, and death by sin, so death is passed upon all men, for all have sinned. Uh, there's that, that trouble that has come by way of sin. And this thing is common to man. Think it not strange concerning the fiery trials that you find yourself going through. I don't think it's strange. These are common to man in the day in which we live. Not just our day, but in every day. Um, we're in the flesh. These things are subject to that. Paul went on to say in Romans 8 and 22, The whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain. Anybody, you don't have to raise your hand, but anybody can identify with that? Identify with the, the groaning and travailing in pain? Verse number 23 of Romans 
8 says, We ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption, the redemption of the body. Uh, Jesus is coming again. And that is the hope. That's the blessed hope of the believer. We're waiting for that redemption of the body. Jesus is going to come and take us out of here. Amen? And that could happen even tonight. That is the blessed hope of every born-again child of God. The, the things that we go through, the groaning within ourselves is not to a dead end. It's to a, an expected end. That's Jesus Christ. Jesus, in this matter of trouble, trials, and tribulations. Again, I mentioned last week that the tribulation that we speak of here is not the tribulation that's found in the Revelation, the book of Revelation. Uh, God raptures us out before all that takes place. He's not talking about a tribulation of wrath that will come upon every unborn, or un- newborn child of God. One who's never trusted Jesus Christ, never been born again. Never believe, never put your faith wholly and completely in Jesus Christ. The wrath of God comes upon, the Bible says, the children of disobedience. Those who have known the gospel, those who have heard the gospel, and those who have spurned it and said, no, I don't need that, I don't want that. There's going to come a time when God will say, why didn't you take that? It'll be a total forever separation. That's not... The wrath of God that we're talking about here. These are This tribulation that we're dealing with is dealing with the trials and the troubles that we oftentimes find ourselves. Whether it's due to the frailty of the body. Whether it's due to uh, following Jesus Christ. Those that have righteously shall suffer persecution. To be a follower of Christ means that there will come a time. And really in America we are beginning to see some of these things come to pass. Like many places in the world, and I think of China, think of these places in Vietnam and, and, and places where communism reigns, where to be a Christian is to be, is to be literally hunted by those who would be against you. And so they suffer great persecution. We have not yet suffered that. We've been blessed in America, but I do believe those days are changing. There's going to come a time when Things will, the Bible tells us, wax worse and worse. It's not getting better. It's winding down for Jesus to come back. So there will be these things called suffering. And Jesus himself did not exempt himself from these sufferings. We know the suffering of the cross. The apostles did not exempt themselves. Jesus did not exempt them from the sufferings. If you look at and read much of history, you'll see and read their Bible. You'll see how many of the apostles suffered for the cause of Christ. The early church itself was not exempt from sufferings. As a matter of fact, it was persecution that drove them out of Jerusalem. It was persecution that spread them all over the Roman Empire and all over that part of the world at that particular time. It was persecution that drove them. And not only did it drive them out, but it continued to pursue them. All the way through history, you see uh, the persecution, the martyrs, and those who were burned at the stake simply for trusting Jesus Christ. Mark it down. There'll be periods and times of suffering, of trials, of trouble for all of us. Not sure what that may look like. But because we live in this world, we live in the flesh, there will be times of trials and sufferings that will come to all of us. No exemptions. 
But the blessed truth for the believer is that when these times come, as we noted last week, we have a comforter, the Holy Spirit. He is there to encourage us. When you get saved, you don't get a little bit of the Holy Spirit. You get all the Holy Spirit. He's there to encourage us. He's there to strengthen us. He's there to enable us. He's there to sustain us. Verse number 5 of 2 Corinthians. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also aboundeth by Christ. For every pound of suffering we may go through, there's a ton of comfort found in Jesus Christ. Where grace did abound, excuse me, sin did abound, grace did much more abound. Where suffering abounds, for the child of God who would need and search and allow this to take place, comfort abounds even more. When the suffering abounds, for the child of God, there's a comforter. That comfort abounds even more. God's comfort is active. Verse number 6 of our text, he says, it is effectual in the enduring. That idea of effectual means that it's active. It's enabling the enduring of the suffering. It's effective in the enabling. It's the trials and the tribals, trials and the troubles come. The Spirit of God, the comfort of God is that active, enabling person of the Godhead that's helping us through it, going with us through the difficulties. I would remind us that 2 Corinthians is Paul's most intimate letter. Where really as we read these texts, as we go forward in the study, we'll see that Paul has hurt. And we see his cares of life. We see the suffering that he goes through. It really doesn't seem like it's just a one-time deal. It's an everyday deal, it seems so often in the life of the Apostle Paul. Maybe you feel the same way. Seems like you just get through one thing and the, the next one comes. In this passage of 2 Corinthians, is Paul's most personal letter that's been written to us. And we see really, uh, uh, we get an insight into his life. We see Paul's tribulation, his troubles, his trials, and his suffering. But even more, we see his comfort. The comfort that God gives him. We see his courage. We see his confidence in God. Through it all, we find that Paul was more than a conqueror. Because he trusted in Christ. Because he had help in the midst of these things that would come about in his life. And come about in our lives as well. In these verses that we read, we get a glimpse into the many difficulties of Paul's life. And we also see how that God brought him through them. And not only did he bring, them, bring him through these troubles, but he, he brought him through them stronger. Not weaker for having gone through them, but stronger. The comfort that he found of God, the help that he found in Christ, those things strengthened him. His trials and his troubles were used by God to craft Paul 
into who God wanted him to be. And sometimes God allow that in our lives. We're just looking for a light at the end of the tunnel. Maybe. This thing to be over. But God will use these things in our lives to craft us, to mold us into what God wants us to be. Who he wants us to look like. And by the way, he wants us to look like him. Conformed into his image. And God will oftentimes, again, do those very same things. He'll do that kind of crafting, that kind of molding, that kind of making in our life. So that we would look more like him. And as we are conformed into his image, God enables us to minister to somebody else. As we are conformed into the image of Christ, God in that molding, in that making, he's preparing us. He's he's working through us so that we might be able to minister to others. An evangelist friend of mine said, out of your misery comes God's mercy. And out of your mercy comes your ministry. Because God's brought me through this. Now I'm able to minister to someone else. Someone else said, There are no saints that we revere who have not been fashioned on the anvil of adversity. If you read of the saints of old, the, the, the men of God and the women of God, who it seems... Did much for the Lord. There was always that anvil of adversity that they seemed to have gone through. Not to crush them, but to mold them. To mold them and make them into what God wanted them to be. We cry so often, we want out of it. But God says, I want to mold you in it. I want to make you in it. And we're again, we're looking for that escape hatch. And rather than letting God do what... He wants to do. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse number 10. If you look at that, hold your place in 2 Corinthians. Go with me to 1 Peter chapter 5, verse number 10. 1 Peter 5 and verse number 10. But the God of all grace... Who hath called us into his eternal glory by Christ Jesus. Please note this phrase. After that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect. Get a hold of that. After that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect. Establish, strengthen, settle you. If there are no trials, if there are no troubles, if there are no tribulation... We don't need faith. But when faith comes in the midst of these things, we find God's strengthening, His settling, His perfecting, His establishing. Oftentimes we want the glory without the suffering, but God says so often the glory comes through the suffering and after the suffering. God's building into our hearts and lives these things. Let's see some of Paul's, some of the things that Paul went through as we look into these passages of Scripture. First, 2 Corinthians chapter 1 again. Go with me there. Notice with me as we look at verse number 8, the place of darkness, the place of desperation. 
in the life of Paul. These are the troubles that he's dealing with. These are the things that he's struggling with. And we'll find more of them as we go on into their texts in weeks to come. But the place, I've called it the place of desperation or the place of darkness. For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure, above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life. The trouble that came to us in Asia, he mentions. Paul does not really tell us exactly what this, exactly what this trouble is that he was facing here in this particular passage. But we can find them all through the Bible. But whatever it was, mark it down, it was severe. Whatever Paul was going through here, it was severe. It was life-threatening to say the least. He says out of this verse number 8, we know this to be the case because he says, we've been pressed out of measure. Pressed out of measure. The idea of press, that word press literally has the, the mind behind it, the idea behind it of being burdened. You ever get burdened? Having heavy pressure laid upon you. You ever had that burden, pressure, just of life? That seems to come because of the troubles and the things that we deal with. Pressed out of measure. Pressed, in other words, pressed out of normal shape. You ever heard the phrase, kind of got a little out of shape? Here are the burdens. The burdens have come and they've gotten us out of shape. Gotten us out of our schedule. Gotten us out of our daily routine. Have left us in a place where... We are without answers. Pressed out of measure. He says above strength. Above strength. More than we could bear naturally. More than I can do. It's a load that's too much for me to carry. It's beyond my natural ability to go through these things. Paul says. He says again that. He goes on to say, in so much that we despaired of life. Whatever Paul was dealing with here in this particular situation, he saw no possibility, humanly speaking, that his life could be saved. This thing will take my life. This thing will kill me. He saw no way to, to, humanly speaking, to get himself, to to find the way out. In verse number 9, the very first part, we had the sense of death within ourselves. This is severe trials. Paul felt that he was as good as dead already. The idea of sentence here, and the word sentence in that text, it's literally, the idea is a judicial act. Paul had already succumbed to the fact that he was going to die any moment. He was going to die here. Paul believed himself that death was imminent. Paul's trials were not only physical, but his trials were emotional. His trials were spiritual. He says that these trials, out of verse number 9, we had the sense of death in ourselves. That means it was deep-rooted. It was there. Oh, he felt it. He lived it on a regular basis. It was in ourselves. We think about the many things that Paul went through. Notice he was shipwrecked. Anybody ever been shipwrecked? 
good. <laughs> I don't hope to be either. Paul was shipwrecked. He says later on, a day and the night in the deep. Can I tell you I have a phobia of getting in the ocean water? I don't like to see what, I can't see what's under me. I'm thinking there's a big old fish that sees a guppy and he's fixed need him. I don't like to get out there. A day and the night in the deep. Getting waterlogged in the ocean. The sea doesn't sound, and the rain and the waves beating upon you doesn't sound too thrilling to me. He was shipwrecked. Paul says, at Lystra, he was stoned. In Acts chapter 14 and verse number 19, he was stoned. They dragged him out of the city. They stoned him. They, when they stoned you, they meant to kill you. It wasn't just a, okay, buddy, you better straighten up. We'll get you next time. It was, you're, you're gone. When they stoned you, they meant to kill you. The Bible tells us, and Paul says, that they drug him outside the city and they left him for dead. They thought he was dead. He was shipwrecked, he was stoned, he was striped. Uh, the Bible tells us in, later on in 2 Corinthians, he was beaten with whips five times, with rods three times. Wow. There were satanic attacks upon his life. He says in 1 Thessalonians, he had desired to come to them, but Satan hindered us. You can better believe it. Anytime you want to do something for the Lord, Satan's going to be there to hinder. There were satanic attacks that every step of the way that Paul took, there was Satan there to oppose and to hinder the work. His life was sought after for death. The Jews laid traps in places in nearly every city that he went to. They laid traps to kill him. He, was, he spent days and nights in solitary confinement. He says in 2 Corinthians 11 and 23, in prisons more frequent. Regularly there. There are all sorts of things that the Apostle Paul was dealing with. When I think of the trials and the, the troubles of the Apostle Paul as a Christian, then mine seems so insignificant in comparison. Don't they? When we moan and groan about the things that we're dealing with on a day-to-day basis. And we see what others have gone through. Boy, it sure does help me not to groan. God has been good to me. God's been good to us. In comparison, rather than groaning, it ought to make us thankful even the more. Paul's place of darkness, his place of desperation. Number two, notice with me, Paul's place of dependence. We see in verse 8 his darkness, but notice in verse number 9 his place of dependence. After he says, but we had the sins of death in ourselves. Notice this phrase, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God which raiseth the dead. In the darkness, we find the place of dependence. That's where it comes from often. It is often during the darkest of times that we are able to see God the fullest. 
God may let us go through those dark times. So that God can give us tunnel vision, possibly. That we can't see or hear anything but God himself. That we, he shuts out everything that's on the peripheral, that's keeping us, and that has kept us from hearing God. He says, I want you to be in a place where you can only hear me. Sometimes it's in the darkest places that we seem the fullest. Matthew chapter 10 and verse number 27 says, I will tell you in darkness, what, excuse me, what I tell you in darkness, that speak in the light. And what you hear in the ear, that preach ye upon the housetops. What I tell you in darkness, that speak ye in the light. F.B. Meyer said of that particular passage, let me read what he said. Our Lord is constantly taking us into the dark in order to tell us something. It may be the darkness of a home where bereavement has drawn the blinds. The darkness of a lonely and desolate life in which illness has cut us off from the light and the activity of life or the darkness of some crushing sorrow and disappointment. It is there he tells us his secrets. Great and wonderful. Eternal and infinite. He causes our eyes Blinded by the glare of things on earth to behold the heavenly consolations. Suddenly our ears detect the whisper of his voice. Which has so often been drowned out by the turmoil of life's, of earth's loud cries. Yet these revelations always come with a corresponding responsibility. What I tell you. In the darkness, speak in the light. Proclaim from the rooftops. We're not to linger in the darkness or stay in the closet. And when we go through those times, God does not leave us there, but He wants to teach us there. So that we may hear from Him, and then we may go from there and minister and help others. He says we are not to linger in the darkness or stay in the closet. Soon, we will be summonsed. To the toil and the storms of life. And when that moment comes. We are to proclaim what we have heard and learned. God says I may take you through those times. So that I can get your attention. So that you can hear only from me. The place of Paul's darkness. The place of Paul's dependence. The purpose of. The trial was to sever Paul's dependence upon himself. Not that I'll trust in myself. God wanted him to sever that dependence upon himself and cause him to depend completely upon God. God was taking from Paul all human resources so that he might learn and know God's resources. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse number 9. Chapter 12 and verse number 9. Let me read you the text. We know the story well. For he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect when you're the strongest. Is that what your Bible says? My strength is made perfect in weakness. 
Most gladly, therefore, will I glory in my infirmities, that the power of God may rest upon me. Jeremiah 17 and 7. Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord, and whose hope the Lord is. I wonder who we trust when we get through the, come to the trials of life. Well, I can do it. I can get through this one. Got through all the rest. I can get through this one. No, we need God. It's the place of desperation in the darkness, the place of dependence during those times. And not just during those times, but in all times, we are to depend upon the Lord. Number three, Paul's promise of deliverance. We see the promise of deliverance out of verses 9 and 10. That we should not trust in ourselves, but in God which raiseth the dead. Who delivered us from so great a death and doth deliver us. In whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. Here we see the promise of deliverance. He mentions out of verse number 9. God which raiseth the dead. Understand, he puts that phrase in there, I believe. God who raiseth the dead because death is the greatest enemy do you know of another enemy that's greater than death death is the greatest enemy and guess what God overcame death God conquered death so I'm going to put my faith in one that's conquered death my greatest enemy God which raises the dead. He deliver us, delivered us from so great a death. What is that? God delivers us from our sin. Boy, what a death that is. The wages of sin is death. Not just from the penalty of death, but from the bondage of death. Delivered us from Sin. He delivered us from hell. He delivers us from Satan. He delivers us from eternal separation from Him. By way of the gospel message. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. He delivers us. He delivered us. And not only did He do this in the past. The past tense. We've been saved. Once saved, always saved, if once truly saved. But he yet doth deliver. Not only has he done it in the past, but get it, he's doing it now. If God were to stop for a moment his deliverance in any of our lives, death would come in an instant. If God were to stop his deliverance, the car that nearly hit us going around the curve. The illness that nearly took our lives. The whatever. God delivers us on a regular basis. Understand God protects us regularly, daily, moment by moment. God's deliverance is there for us. That's what Paul found in Christ. Not only has he delivered me past tense but he's delivering me present tense maybe sometimes we forget how much protection we have from God on a day by day moment by moment basis we just get in the car and we go we just go to bed at night thinking that the next day is going to come it's all going to be fine 
Nothing can happen to me. God's deliverance. Day in and day out. He delivered me in the past. He's delivered me presently. And he will yet deliver. That's future. That's the one we're looking for. Amen. He will yet deliver. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again. And receive you unto myself that where I am there you may be also. He's coming. He will yet deliver. Paul's place of desperation, his place of dependence, his place of deliverance, the promise of deliverance. And lastly, I'm done. i got to finish Paul's privilege of intercessory prayer. The privilege of intercessory prayer, verse number 11. Ye also helping together by prayer for us. Notice that phrase. The privilege of intercessory prayer. We had prayer meeting tonight. Mentioned many needs that are worthy and all are worthy of prayer. But understand, he says out of this text, ye also helping together by prayer for us. Here, prayer is the participation of the deliverance. Do you understand when you are praying for somebody else? You are participating with God in the deliverance of another. Think about this. When we enter into a time of prayer, intercessory prayer for another, we participate in God's work being done in others, helping together in prayer. Do you believe that prayer makes a difference? Amen, it does. And we get through through prayer, enter in to what God is doing. Should we pray? Oh, yes. Pray without ceasing. In the times of darkness, keep praying for those. Keep pointing those to Christ. In your times of darkness, remember, look to Him. Not myself, but to Him alone. Let's bow our hearts in prayer.